Hi everyone, this week on New Narrative, a new website. Thank you everyone for your patience as we've been preparing this new website and we have launched this week with a new design and uh, lots of behind the scenes improvements. So please let us know what you think at feedback at newnarrative.com uh, and please especially do let us know if you find any bugs or any problems there's bound to be some problems with a new website, so please do let us know if you find anything wrong. Today, where's mutual aid? That's W-A-R-E-S. Now, this is really interesting today because it's a mutual aid community in a country which is supposed to be not just one of the richest in the world, but which has a government famous for efficiency and for extensive intervention in society. So the question then arises, well, if Singapore's so rich and the government does so much, quite famously, for society, why do we need these independent mutual aid community networks? Well, experts have estimated that around one-third of Singapore lives in poverty. And civil society is meeting that need independently of the government. And from where's mutual aid specifically, it's matching people who have needs with people who can offer support. So today, Sean and I talked to a volunteer with Where's Mutual Aid who explained to us how it works and why it exists. And in support of the principle that the community and system should be the focus, not the people involved, the volunteer has requested to be anonymous. So there's no video and she is not identified by name. We do hope you'll enjoy this. Do check out Where's Mutual Aid at gg.gg slash Where's Mutual Aid. And as always, if you like what we do, please do join us as a member, newnarrative.com slash join. And also, you can donate at newnarrative.com slash donate. We've also got a new scheme where if you are in need of a membership, if you'd like a membership but you can't afford one, just write in sponsorship at newnarrative.com. And if you'd like to sponsor someone else's free membership, you can go to the website and just buy one or more, and we will distribute that to people who request memberships. All of this on newnarrative.com. Do check it out. But now, where's Mutual Aid? Hello and welcome back to Political Agenda with me, your host, PJ Thumb, and once again, co-hosting today, Sean Francis Han. Hello, Sean. Hey, thanks so much for having me on again. Um, yeah, very interested about today's show. We've been talking about a lot of the public faces of activism, young activism in Singapore. But today we have an activist who's a little bit more behind the scenes. Um, somebody who does their work sort of quietly, right? Sort of anonymously, right? Not as public and out there. And that's definitely another way of being an activist or doing activism in Singapore that often doesn't really get um, as much of the limelight, doesn't get talked about as much or enough. So, yes. I mean, without further ado, let's jump right into it. A volunteer from Where's Mutual Aid, W-A-R-E-S, Mutual Aid. Well, welcome. Hello. So, uh, can you tell us first, uh, where's uh, what is where's and and uh, that is that separate from where's mutual aid, right? 
Yes, so Wes is basically like a library and info shop and basically it's a space where people can go to to just, you know, um, relax <laughs> and kind of not, um, I guess the, the idea is not to think about your productivity or, um, you know, being a cog in the machine and just to have that uh, space in the library. I mean, those are the ideals behind um, the the space of the library and so you know we have we have books there we have like um, zines lots of zines from the region and yeah just a space where we can gather in common wow that sounds great yeah. bastion from you know uh, neoliberal capitalism exactly. I think we all need a bit of that so nowadays. the obvious question and pardon the pun where's where's Oh, so Wes is um, nestled in Softwall Studs. We share a library. So if you want to drop by, you can kind of like drop us a DM on the Facebook. Hmm. What is Softwall Studs though? Oh, Softwall Studs is like an arts collective. Oh, yeah. okay. So there's Wes and then there's Wes Mutual Aid, right? Tell us more about Wes Mutual Aid. What's that about? Yeah, so um, the mutual aid sheet was started, I think, quite early when the crisis was really, the COVID crisis was really starting to hit us. There were already mutual aid sheets popping out, um, you know, worldwide um, by, like in other countries. And the, the form itself is very simple. It's basically a spreadsheet where you can list your needs and you can list your offers, like what are the things that you can offer to the community. And then, you know, people can um, look at the sheet and then, you know, kind of like organize together in terms of like, okay, is there someone that I can offer my help to? Mm-hmm. Um, is there someone um, that I can, you know, even if I can't give directly, that maybe I can help to organize Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of like finding information for them and you know things like that I mean so I have a very good sense now about sort of what it is and the concept mm-hmm. behind it but how has that kind of played out in Singapore right I mean we're not like we're not used to this yes. kind of community yes. spirit kind of thing exactly. it's every man for himself yeah. right it's a rat race right mm-hmm. now, how has that worked out so far yeah so you know trying to find a translation for mutual aid in our own languages can be quite difficult mm-hmm. you know like um, my friend was asking how do you translate mutual aid uh, in Malay and I was like huh I'm not really sure like it's not even like tolong menolong which is like helping because mm-hmm. um, fundamentally mutual aid is about reciprocity mm-hmm. it's about dismantling the hierarchy that is often inherent in the process of uh, giver and receiver mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I guess gotong royong actually comes very closely to 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 the definition of mutual aid, mm-hmm. and gotong royong sadly has also kind of been, I guess like co-opted. Yeah, co-opted, right? Because when you think about what is the dominant mode of social work in Singapore, um, it's like many helping hands approach. Mm-hmm. So in fact, when I talked about mutual aid, someone um, actually asked me like, isn't that just a many helping hands approach? Mm-hmm. You know, they'll say, why, how is that, um, you know, different from the dominant model? And is it not like looking at the systemic issues that are making people, uh, you know, in need? Mm-hmm. You know, when you just want to 
address their needs very directly. Mm-hmm. But it's different. Yeah. So I think in Singapore, it's, it has been quite interesting because when you're involved in the mutual aid uh, volunteer work, you see how it's really a process for people to unlearn very instinctive things when they are met with a person in need um, in terms of how far do I get to push in terms of asking someone about the verifiability of their ask um, and then uh, I guess like people would have the automatic sometimes response at least in the beginning mm-hmm. like have you tried asking your MP mm-hmm. uh, did you did you uh, apply for SSO all these things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then that's I guess in some way, okay, maybe it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. But after a while, you know, you you realize people on the receiving end of these things, they get these statements all the time yeah. when they're, they're asking for help. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a lot of them actually are already receiving like uh, state assistance mm-hmm. or they can't because they don't qualify. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us more about sort of like dismantling the power dynamic. I got yeah. a rough sense of what yes. you're talking about, right? Typically, there's a big, powerful individual or a group and it's handing out freebies, right? And there's obviously a power dynamic there. But tell us a little bit more about that power dynamic and then sort of how your, um, how you, how, how Where's Been Truly is kind of working to undo that. So the, one of the main dictums in mutual aid is solidarity not charity mm-hmm. and what's happening especially in a place like Singapore is that people kind of I guess they compartmentalize mm-hmm. they 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 don't feel that because you know we already have like we already have like social workers we have uh, police we have the state and then you think, okay, well, all these people will help me to settle, uh, you know, will help, will not help me, but like help people who need helping. Mm-hmm. Like they will help the people in need. And so I don't have to worry about that because I pay my taxes and my taxes go to the state and then the state will help those in need. So mm-hmm. I relinquish uh, responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so the the needs of another person within our community who is not our direct relative or friend doesn't really seem like something that we are very attached to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, these institutions, uh, when we kind of just let them operate on their own, mm-hmm. we don't pay attention to them, um, especially if because we don't, if we don't uh, need them, if we don't come Mm -hmm. against them, right? If we are privileged enough to, we don't see the kind of um, violence and exclusion that Mm. is inherent within these institutions. The power dynamic that they... They operate from the value systems that they they have that might be very different from our own. Mm -hmm. And so for us in the mutual aid theme... We don't want to reproduce the the power dynamic and the oppression and the violence that can be, 
you know, mm-hmm. present in these institutions because these institutions are run by people, right? And people are just not perfect. Yeah. Like, and I really, I really resonate with that point about uh, the violence of in, of big institutions and the exclusion that comes with that because yeah. I'm reminded of like trans sex workers, right? Who find it difficult to apply for these grants, who find it difficult to come out into these institutions and be seen and be visible. Um, and and that's the violence and the exclusion. So yeah, I never kind of thought about it that way. But that exactly that yeah. mutual aid is is a real alternative that is inclusive and it doesn't bring to bear these violences and these exclusions. Exactly. Also, oh, you've um, touched on this this broader framework. I think that uh, has come out through some of these interviews that we've had, which is that what we have is a is a government uh, system in welfare and other ways, which as as much as possible towards verifiability and avoiding abuse and uh, you know controlling the doling out of welfare um, as much as possible but this is a spectrum right the avoiding abuse is one end of the spectrum but um, accessibility is the other uh, end of the spectrum where the harder you make it the, the more gatekeeping you do to ensure that people are verified, that they actually deserve things, the more forms they have to fill in, the more um, you know, um, hoops they have to jump through, the harder it is for, for them to access. But this way, the government can say, not a drop is wasted, it's all efficient, you know, not a cent is wasted, it's all efficient, and there's no abuse of the system. But a lot of people who legitimately need help get left out. And the debate for us is should be where along this spectrum we stand versus how the PAP usually puts it, which is either you have this system or people abuse the system, right? Mm. Which is a false dichotomy. So it sounds like what you're doing is disintermediating and trying to take away some of these gatekeepers um, and to create a greater community effort to support each other uh, that avoids the problem of uh, this massive gatekeeper and you know because of course the other thing the violence in the system you talked about like the government then uses their ability to control welfare their monopoly of welfare in many cases to then shape us and say you can only get welfare if you are a certain kind of person you know you're a, a married uh, in a in a straight uh, cisgender heterosexual relationship with uh, two or three children and you live in an HDB flat and you have reg- regular wage work and so you're part of the you know capitalist wage labor system which is exploitative and so on and so forth right you have to conform 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 and you get a lot of people who cannot uh, access the welfare or or even do not right there's a lot of uh, it's also documented by researchers how there's a lot of people out there who want and genuinely need it but either for various reasons, pride, for example, uh, or unwillingness to go through all the, the loops, or simply thinking, oh, other people need it more, why should I apply? You know, they don't access the welfare. So, uh, you know, what you're doing is actually incredibly powerful because you're challenging one of the very fundamental pillars of power of this government, which is the ability to control how our tax dollars are mm-hmm. redistributed to society uh, to you know, as as welfare, mm-hmm. yeah. I want to jump off something that PJ mentioned just now, right? Which is verifiability, right? So, how do you and how does Wes Mutual Aid deal with that, right? I'm sure that you know some people out there who are gonna be saying, oh, you know, it's, it's 
people are going to abuse this this whole thing. How do you navigate that? Yeah, so um you know the whole thing about mutual aid is like you know this reciprocity, right? Mm-hmm. And which means that there is not going to be some organization for, uh, there for you to help you verify and make you feel better about mm-hmm. where your money is going. Now yeah. that is going to be your so your your own responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that's um you know so people are going to have to do it themselves. So mm-hmm. you are going to have to you know if you see someone who list their needs then you contact them and you talk to them what's your need blah blah, blah. and then if you feel comfortable you give mm-hmm. if you don't you don't have to mm-hmm. and then you know it's it's really just like that mm-hmm. but the thing is I don't know that we live in a kind of a system where everything is kind of like done for you that you offset uh, responsibilities or certain sorts of labor mm-hmm. um, so that you know, it's easier for you. Yeah. And it's the same with welfare. Mm-hmm. You have offset that labor of getting to know the other person and their needs to a social worker, institution, so that all that you have to do is give money. Mm-hmm. You remove that, that, that first interaction that is needed, mm-hmm. like a human-to-human interaction um, that's just not really present <laughs> in, in the way things are. And I think you know, actually, when I talk about violence of institutions, it's not like like literally bloody beating up kind of violence, but the violence of bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. It's it's and and just like the banality of it, all these um, hoops that people have to jump through, and it 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 has a very material impact on their lives that people don't see. Have there been any like? little weasels that have you know sort of come in and then made weird mm. um, requests or tried to be funny with the system have you ever gotten that uh, yeah maybe we, we did like mm. I think actually and and it's actually a very instructive and teaching moment for the community right like okay oh. so th- maybe this thing has happened mm-hmm. and of course we have our ideals mm-hmm. right we want to believe everyone <laughs> like um that this is a great community and system, nobody would abuse it. And it's it functions on trust, right? Mm-hmm. So what's happening is an abuse of trust if someone, um, you know, abuses the trust that has been established with another person and then they kind of try to weasel, blah, blah, blah. And I think the question is, how do you respond to such situations mm-hmm. in a way that does not reproduce the punitiveness yeah. and the violence of... Um, institutions. So now I'm really excited to know how do you reproduce that without reproducing the punitiveness. Yes. So honestly, you know, when these things happen, it can be very draining, Mm -hmm. you know, and it can, uh, because you're trying to figure out what happened and and maybe you feel some sense of responsibility also, like, oh no, like, you know, uh, you wanted to help someone and then, you know, everyone in the community also has that desire because why else would they be volunteering in a mutual aid community but at the end of the day we honestly for me personally I'll just speak for myself personally I I mean if someone is in a good situation like financially they're secure they wouldn't even need to do something like that Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to get a ton of money by listing your need in the mutual aid sheet. Mm-hmm. And I think that should, should something like that happen, um, 
it cannot define the whole operation like mm-hmm. what's happening and in the larger scheme of things mm-hmm. and which is something that I think people need to remember also in terms of like abuse of the system mm-hmm. it's it's a very small minority mm-hmm. uh, compared to the larger good that has been done and can be done within this uh, system mm-hmm. and yeah like uh, f- for me I think you just keep on keeping on and honestly the mutual community because we are quite tight knit and mm-hmm. we know each other if any of these shady things go on you can cut, find out quite quickly uh, they, yeah, because you can yeah. corroborate with each other yeah. you know it's not like I don't well, the, the, I mean like there's always a sense of like um, you know that that trust there's, a, yes, there's, exactly. there's there are networks of, mm-hmm. in the community but yeah. I mean sort of on that note right um what well, what are the relations between uh, where's mutual aid and the community? Sort of how do you um, how do you work with them? What are some of the interesting relations that you've made? Um, what's your relationship with you know the community at large that is using these uh, you know this service? Well, it's 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 really great because mutual aid, um, the community, the spreadsheet. It, it's really organic. It will be as good as how the community makes it out to be, mm-hmm. right? If people don't respond, then it just will die down. Mm-hmm. But it's great because um, there has been a lot of response and organizing um, within the group by people. Like, really, they just organize themselves. Mm-hmm. And there have been burnouts, but it's really interesting because people would, they would even organize like Zoom meetings to kind of discuss several issues, including the burnout or like certain cases. And that has been great. I think that one of the main joys I feel in mutual aid is how you relearn how to relate to each other in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. How do you um, navigate power dynamics that may be present within an exchange with another person mm-hmm. and we have had like really we have had fights even mm-hmm. and we have had very passionate debates but it's really interesting because we are not you know in the context of the mutual aid community we are not as isolated as in other spaces mm-hmm. Um, so we were able in some way to really discuss things because we already have like an overarching set of values Mm -hmm. that kind of uh, govern how we relate to each other Mm -hmm. and so that has been really great to see yeah does does it go beyond mutual aid though so you mentioned that there was a zoom call just now but i'm wondering Mm -hmm. are there little iterations of where the community kind of comes together uh do more than just um, give and receive and uh, you know w- uh, and, and aid each other right what is there are there iterations where there is more that comes out of the community something beyond the initial project of mm. mutual aid yeah I mean okay so I guess honestly like these uh, these uh, organizing the, 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 the healing of relations that is par for the course in terms of like mutual aid organizing mm-hmm. it's part of the but uh, other things that has been great to see is like for example how people organize to raise funds mm-hmm. so for example like on Instagram uh, we have like the where's book fair mm-hmm. yeah so so the book readers in Instagram would actually like list the books that they wanted to sell and have like a virtual book fair mm-hmm. and it has raised about over 20,000 wow yeah uh, which they would directly distribute 
um, to people in need in the sheet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And then there has also been um, West thrifting. So mm-hmm. um, uh, people would sell their clothes and then say directly, that, okay, the, the proceeds from this sale will go to people in need. Mm-hmm. In the in the West spreadsheet, mm-hmm. yeah. So you know those two things are happening on Instagram. So hashtag West Book Fair, hashtag West Drifting, and there have been um, you can't see, but I'm wearing earrings right now. Mm-hmm. That is like from this Instagram called uh, Supper Dot Market, mm-hmm. and it's this um, uh, person who sells handmade earrings, and then the mm-hmm. proceed goes to West Mutual Aid. So there has been a lot of this like organizing that has that's happening even on the periphery. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like operating on its own in a way. The mm-hmm. organizing, which is great, which is what I think is the best thing that can happen for mutual aid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Can I just ask a dumb question? Okay, so uh, all of you are volunteers. Um, can you can you just give us a bit more detail? What on what do you actually do? Right, it sounds like a huge amount of organizing and emotional labor. But for our listeners, can you actually tell us what um, you know? Because I can I can you you can understand where's usually as a spreadsheet and people look at the spreadsheet. So what do the volunteers do? Well, honestly, it feels a bit strange also to say that I'm a volunteer. Um, I trying to think of it like. Okay, I guess volunteer is the word for me, but um, I guess it's just like if you're concerned enough and you want to be involved, then you can be involved as a person. And um, basically, we have like a Telegram channel where we have updates of like recent needs and requests. Yeah, requests and offers on the spreadsheet. And we also have like a group chat. So if people want to, like in the Telegram channel, they can click the discuss button and then they join the group chat. And then in that group chat is where people can like boost requests, um, discuss things related to the mutual aid community, um, and you know all those things. So that's where I think a lot of the organizing happens when people actually interact with each other directly in that group chat. So um, that's where people have planned like, for example, how to have like a pod in a separate community, like in the Tampines area, for example. They have discussed. Uh, legal issues like legal advice for people who are in debt and actually right now there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who are experiencing serious debt issues mm. um, uh, there'll be people giving advice about like unlicensed money lenders and we even had like a social worker once come in you know like trying to give uh, like offer her expertise in terms of like how mm-hmm. do you navigate certain I guess welfare mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Oh, wow. So okay. So this is a way bigger than just a spreadsheet. Definitely. You're a, let's say, a member of a community, mm-hmm. and you're actually not just facilitating these um, acts of solidarity, reciprocity, but you're also organizing all these other forms of education and support uh, through this Telegram. Yes. Oh wow. And 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 of course, there's a huge amount of emotional labor because I assume. Uh, that many of the people you're interacting with are in great distress yeah. and you're also supporting them emotionally mm-hmm. through very difficult times. Actually, yeah, it, it's, it's really difficult. I think people always think of mutual aid in really, I guess, like inspiring terms and it is really inspiring work. But a lot of people have also burned out. Like, mm. it's not, it's really not easy. And I mean, a lot of us going into it, we are, we're young, we are not, we are not like trained professionals 
uh, we are not um, social workers. We are not workers within an institution, I guess, um, which is uh, which means we have to learn a lot of these things as it goes along. The le- the learning curve is really steep mm. in in the mutual aid, when you get involved in mutual aid, and but I think it's really important also actually like basically what's happening with the when when you kind of like compartmentalize. Uh, welfare and you know all of these things is that um, people don't know how a lot of these things work. Mm-hmm. They don't know the the how the system operates, uh, and so when you get involved in this work, then you actually get to know a lot how a lot of people are directly impacted. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I mean it's it's quite hard. You you would have to, I guess actually you know like. One of the things I always remember is um, this person, she was requesting for help and I was talking to her, um, trying to get a better sense of her needs and everything. And she said like, oh, thank you. You know, this is the first time that I asked for help and people didn't look down on me. Mm. So I think that's fundamentally really important in a a lot of the way the system functions, Mm. there is power there in that exchange Mm -hmm. which makes the recipient feel so powerless Mm -hmm. Um, they are aware of how they are being seen actually by the system they are they are aware that the moment they ask for help the automatic lens that is being placed on them is one of like a skepticism Mm -hmm. yeah and so i think that that emotional openness that that sense of care in the community is really important Mm -hmm. Um, but of course, if you care, then, and if you are open, that means that uh, you're also, in a sense, like emotionally vulnerable. We see a lot of terrible things, like you know, like you would see sometimes even people's wounds from abuse. Mm. You would see, um, you know, like just really terrifying things. Uh, how do you deal with that, though? I mean, well. That's that's gotta be rough, right? It's I rough. mean, for yeah, uh, um, you're 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 an activist. You're um, doing this work out of this care and con- and then you see this horrible stuff, you know, that you're not necessarily trained professionally to deal with. Mm. How do you sort of how do you manage that? Yeah, it's really difficult. But I think the thing to realize, I guess, about when you're in a community, you're not alone. So. Mm. One of the best things I think about mutual aid is that the labor is spread out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also something that we need to learn because initially I was quite, I guess, managerial, which is very antithetical <laughs> to the spirit of mutual aid. Like mm. I wanted to control everything I want, mm. because I wanted to help people so much, right? Yeah, yeah. But I realized that that didn't help anybody. You need to like spread the labor out mm. and so that people can also learn mm. through that process. Yeah. And so... Yeah, like the even that emotional um, difficulty is not born alone. Yeah. And I mean, maybe we need to feel that honestly. Like all I'm seeing is a picture of someone's wounds, but I'm not the one going through that. Like it's, it's like no matter how difficult it is, I think we always remember that it's worse for the, the person yeah. who going through the situation. And really, I mean, a lot of the times when people want to help in other situations, like in the domain of, like, let's say, charity, you only know of a person's case. You don't know their 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 personality, their their life. There's no sometimes there's no follow up. Mm-hmm. But in in mutual aid, we really see like 
one person can go through so much mm-hmm. in a year. We help them with this one need, something happens. Mm-hmm. We help them with that, another thing happens. Mm-hmm. And you see the accumulative effect of failures in the system, basically. Mm-hmm. They are going through so much and that that actually just really viscerally shows you the failure of the current system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is great. That's beautiful, right? I think that's that's something that you know, we don't we don't often think about it, right? Okay. We often think about uh, politics or activism or at least I did right in terms of like you know angry railing against the system sort of coming out and making speeches and getting together with a particular cause right but you know this idea of setting up a community right and and a spreadsheet right that's something that I think it's such a novel and beautiful way of doing activism and that really speaks to me um, and then the idea of just dispersing that workload through the community I think that's really beautiful right but are there co- plans to sort of continue this good work right are there are you aiming at sustainability how is this gonna go you know I know we can't imagine it right now but when COVID is done is this still gonna be around yeah that's a good question mm-hmm. I guess I never really I've thought about it a lot of times, mm-hmm. but I haven't really discussed it with the rest of the group. Mm-hmm. This, these issues that people are facing, as long as the system is the way it is, it's going to be forever. Mm-hmm. Cri- the COVID crisis is just, it was maybe an in- intensification of an already present crisis for mm-hmm. a lot of people. And... I don't think we can just drop the ball when like COVID ends. Mm-hmm. I don't see how we can just disengage from mm-hmm. the mutual aid community that has been set up. Mm-hmm. I guess our hope is that more people would kind of join and coordinate together so that you know the labor is more spread out because mm-hmm. sometimes it can get very tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me that's that that would help in terms of like sustainability if more people get involved. But it's also really inherent and just really present in most of the mutual aid uh, communities and spreadsheets worldwide that the needs far outstrip the offers of requests and the amount of help that can be, and the amount of help and the amount of coordinating that can be given to the amount of needs because there's just so much. Like, there's just so many people going through, um, you know, precarity and, and loss of jobs and like healthcare crisis a lot of people in need actually hmm. they can't pay for their healthcare and I mean in Singapore I'm, if if you have, you need life saving treatment they won't deny you lah. like they will just hmm. they will still wheel you in but you still have those debts at the end of the day hmm. and it's it's really really um, difficult yeah so in terms of sustainability hopefully if more people can join that would be great yeah but ultimately, you know, what, what you're saying, it's a systemic issue and it feels like as incredible as your work is, you're getting people together to plug leaks on the Titanic yes. as we collectively sail merrily towards an iceberg. And is, is systemic change the only way then to really, in the long term, address many of these issues, right? Everything you've yeah. described, the... They are systemic problems. Yes. Um, so, 
you know, I keep listening to you talk about community, getting together. I kept thinking, oh, you know, if only we as a society could collectively get together and create an institution uh, to which we all say pay a small proportion of our income, let's call it a tax, and then that institution, we could like vote for people to be part of it, you know, and then that group could then uh, make some policies to help us all uh, you know, lead better lives collectively as a society. You know, if only we had some sort of institution like that, and one which was which treated us, and this is the probably the hardest part, with dignity and respect, and mm-hmm. uh, didn't treat us like potential criminals or economic digits, and you know would respect the 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 wealth, the needs of every individual, and treat everyone uh, you know on their own merits. If only we had some sort of institution like that in Singapore. No. <laughs> Yeah, the moment you have hierarchy, at least my personal belief, the moment you have a hierarchy which is always present in institutions, there's going to be trouble. Mm. So I guess mutual aid, fundamentally, it's deinstitutionalized. And that's why it it functions the way it does and escapes a lot of those problems. And, you know, like, yeah, we actually are very aware that it's whatever we're doing now is like plugging leaks, like <laughs> terrible, terrible leaks. And that this work has to be done in tandem with advocating for real, you know, serious systemic change. Mm. And, but here's uh, another thing is that we are plugging leaks, but we're also learning how to treat each other better, to care for each other better. Mm-hmm. And that is so important because if you want to change society, like you are, you're not going to be able to do that if you cannot change even the relations in your closest circle. Mm-hmm. How do you heal that? And that's what we also learn in mutual aid. Yeah. I think that's a very powerful point, right? That yeah. our values collectively as a society also help determine our government, the policies, the incentive structures around us. So it's not enough for us to say, oh, the government needs to change policies. Mm-hmm. We also have to think about, well, we why do we treat each other with suspicion exactly you know why do we treat each other like economic digits exactly. why do we have an attitude that we are supposed to screw each other over mm. yes you know? <laughs> yes that, you know, I just remembered this like Lee Sian Long some years back he actually mm-hmm. said that we need to steal somebody's lunch or something yes he said otherwise that, other people steal our lunch yes, yes. I was just like Such ah, a deeply offensive you said that <laughs> ah, and, and you know it's not like uh, yeah, he said it, like, and, and they reported it, so we, we saw it. But mm. he's just saying what a lot of people believe, but we need to really interrogate where that belief come from, mm. right? And, and kind of like, why were we conditioned to believe something as awful as that? Yeah. Yeah, where we believe that our, our survival is dependent on the... On the deprivation of somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I never sort of uh, understand that sort of double narrative that we have in this state, right? That Singapore is sort of simultaneously this sort of loving, wonderful, nice place to be. But then also, please remember to steal somebody's lunch, stay competitive, constantly upgrade, make sure you don't screw up your exams, mm-hmm. all of that. Like, I, don't, I don't get that sort of double narrative. And, and the other double narrative that, oh, you know, the government cannot help you because you, you're supposed to stand on your own two feet. 
and uh, no crutch mentality and this is Asia, you take personal responsibility and then at the same time, oh, the government is going to tell you how to lead your lives. It has every right to meddle in your lives and mm-hmm. control everything you do and that, you know, we're not the West with individual rights. I mean, which, which one is it? If you want us to take responsibility for our lives, then you have to let us make our own decisions. But if you are going to control our lives to such a great extent, then you have to take responsibility for what happens to us. Which one is it? Exactly, yeah. But a lot of the way things are set up, a lot of people are just kind of like thrown aside. Mm. And even let's say like in terms of like receiving welfare or help from the government, it's like, okay, we'll just deal with someone who has all of these criteria. A lot of people you need in the mutual aid community uh, people, let's say, with foreign spouses mm-hmm. or people who are on LTVP passes, which doesn't have as much, um, I guess, benefits as someone with LTVP plus hmm. pass. So, you know, all these things. Ah, it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, what, 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 what I'm thinking about here is also that, like, you know, remember when... Um, when, when we were discussing that debate with, about Vivian Balakrishnan, right? And then sort of uh, Chisun John brought up that point about how all of the rich people are kind of in one area, right? And that yes. really reminds you about how the wealthy kind of get wealthier by tapping on these networks of communities, right? And what I think, why I think this is particularly powerful also is because it's not about handing out handouts, right? It's about building that sense of, of community, that n- those networks of relations, right? Which is really just inverting the power structures that the wealthy already have and then taking that, co-opting that for the, uh, you know, for people who really need it, people at the bottom of society and giving them that power, giving them that sense of community and those networks to tap on. So I think that's a very sort of interesting way of rethinking the way that we do activism not as handouts but as community uh, building yeah yeah even let's say um, I mean when when the poor and need help they're always stigmatized right for what they receive yeah. but I mean the rich get help all the time yeah yeah I yeah. mean they I mean, look at the tax breaks exactly right? <laughs> like yeah. you don't call that like handouts but it practically is they don't need it mm-hmm. but they get it yeah and then you, you they yeah it's just like it just doesn't make sense to me at all yeah. I mean, oh yeah. it's like how um, they say you know all was it Ong Ye Kang said all schools are good schools <laughs> but there's a clear difference because uh, schools with very rich alumni mm-hmm. get to donate massive amounts to the school mm-hmm. And those can't go to, say, teacher salaries or, uh, you know, so there are certain areas you can't spend it on. So instead, they build big buildings, massive facilities yeah. and buy all sorts of things which help the students. You know, so the, the MOE may say, oh, we treat the schools equally. I mean, that even is debatable. But even if they did, rich schools with rich alumni get massive donations to help. And so there is genuine inequality, you know, from the very beginning of our lives. Uh, when we enter the educational system. Yeah, I mean, we can see it. I mean, when they say things like that, they have to know. I'm, I'm sure they know it's just words. Yeah. It's not as if we can't. Um, we haven't experienced the schooling system for ourselves. And so, I don't know. They just say words sometimes as if they don't mean anything. They just make <laughs> sounds with their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I wish that was. I don't. I don't quite believe that. I don't know. I sort. I sort of feel like it's. It's not rhetoric. They genuinely believe that. Oh, that that is really sad. 
And mm. Well, let's also part of the problem, right? From where the elites sit, everything seems fine to them. That is very mm. true, yes. You know, we have new narrative as published articles showing how um, elites genuinely believe in meritocracy because they succeeded within a narrow system that is very competitive without realizing that by virtue of their birth and socioeconomic background or who their uh, you know, parents yeah. are, they're already in, they're already so privileged and in the top 5%. Mm. Exactly. You know, and they think that just because that 5% is competitive is meritocratic, when actually 95% of Singaporeans have no access to that. And that is very problematic. And that's the thing, right? It's because of isolation. Basically, the rich can believe that because you're so isolated from the re- everybody else. Like I read this article... Um, the title was Why are rich people so mean? <laughs> and you know, they, 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 in the article it's mentioned actually the rich are more likely to steal something from a store. Mm. They are more likely to break rules mm-hmm. because rules are just fines for them which they can just pay. I'll just pay the fine if mm-hmm. I get caught. Yeah, And also they found that the richer you are the more isolated from community and the larger society you are mm-hmm. which actually enables the the slow deterioration of your that sense of empathy that mm. is you know it's you need that relating to other people to kind of foster that that human sense that human within interaction. you yeah. yeah but a lot of the rich are just really isolated and the way we structure our society enables that mm-hmm. it enables the isolation of people and then they don't even realize that they are so isolated and so they think that they can make really I guess like. Um, definitive statements about how meritocracy works because all around them all they see is just people just like them and they think that's the world but it's not true Mm. they have not interacted enough with um, people who live very different lives and they I think if if it happened they wouldn't know how to Mm. yeah Okay, so on that note, I guess we're out of time. So I want to thank our friend, our uh, member of our community, of our mutual aid community for coming here today and talking to us about where's mutual aid. Um, And if people want to contribute and be part of this community, uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, you've given us a lot to think about, about inequality and all the systemic structural issues in society. So... Uh, I know you're very busy and, and you've got a lot of work to decide. I want to thank you very much for thank coming. Thank you for here. having me. Yes. Yeah, thanks so much yeah. for coming down. That was really, really enlightening. <laughs>